Welcome back to Camden Cast, your unofficial Baltimore Orioles fan podcast from CamdenChat.com. I'm your host, Mark Brown. I'm Eat More SK on Camden Chat, and it is June the 27th, 2013, in the evening, as we are recording this episode. The Orioles have just beaten the Cleveland Indians by a score of 7-3 to to split their four-game series and secure themselves in second place in the American League East, three and a half games back. And I am joined once again by my new podcasting partner in crime, the Captain Picard of Camden Chat. She is Stacy Long. Stacy, how's it going? It's going good. How's it going with you? It is going pretty good. It's going even better since the Orioles did not uh, fail against the Indians completely. I was a little bummed after the Jim Johnson meltdown the other day. Yes, weren't we all? But yes, yeah, I guess we really all were. But there was one thing that would just hearten me because periodically I like to look back and compare the Orioles' record to last year. So the Orioles have now played 80 games, and after 80 games, and they oh well after 80 games this year they're 44 and 36, and they're three and a half games back in the American League East. And after 80 games last year they were 43 and 37, so they're actually one game better than last year. Um, and last year they were also in second place, but they were five games back in the American League. So progress. They're a little closer. Yeah, they're one game better and they're a game and a half better in the standings. Of course, the rest of the American League East is a little bit tighter than it was last year, but uh, you know, Orioles got to win the games and that's what matters. And so far, they're doing a good job of that. 550 winning percentage. They would actually be the division leaders in the AL Central, uh, as we discussed last time. We are unimpressed by the Tigers. And their shenanigans. Uh, the Orioles would also be the division leaders in the NL West. And they'd probably have a better than 550 record if they were playing in the National League, just just between you and me and the rest of Birdland. Because if I'm unimpressed by the AL Central, I'm even less impressed by the National League generally. Because seriously, it's not even a real league. Just get out of here. They intentionally walk Nick Punto. They intentionally walk Cesar as tourists in a random game I walked earlier oh, this year. Geez. So, you National know, League. That's, that's the National League for you. you just, just get out of here. But anyway, let's get back to the Orioles. So there is a little bit of breaking news tonight, which will be slightly less breaking by the time everyone is listening to this podcast Friday morning or on into the future. Uh, and right as we were about to start recording, the Orioles beat writers told us that uh, the starter for the Friday game against the Yankees is going to be, rather than the expected, Kevin Gossman. I still don't know how to say his name, do you? Gossman? Yeah, it seems like everybody says it differently every time, and I'm still not really sure what's right. Maybe it's Gossman, maybe it's Gossman, whatever. Just call him Goose. Goose. Instead of Goose, it's actually going to be T.J. McFarland. Yes, that's... At first, uh, Mark and I were doing our little uh, pre-podcast powwow when the news broke, and we were both like, what? Yeah, I wish I would have mm-hmm. just hit record for that, and we could have pasted that <laughs> in. It was really a, a, just a flummoxed and confused <laughs> reaction. Yeah, but after thinking about it, you know, the Yankees hit much more poorly against left-handers than they do against right-handers. You know, they're not even getting on base through 30% of the time against left-handed starters. So I'm guessing that's the reason. Right, and what passes for the best hitters of the Yankees are all lefties who have problems with platoon splits. So you got, like, Robinson Cano, Rick Gardner... And it, it's weird to say Travis Hafner and Lyle Overbay count as the best hitting Yankees, what they do. And also Ichiro, I think. So maybe, you know, TJ McFarland is meant to do that. He's never gone more than four and a third innings. So uh, it could be that they're planning to string together maybe TJ McFarland and then Goose. Kind of a pull a little switcheroo on the Yankees because they probably won't shift their lineup around in like the fifth inning to try to take advantage of the new platoon splits. Although maybe they will, I don't know. You never know. But it was it was a bit of a swerve. Unexpected. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on the broadcast today, I mean, everyone's been thinking it for days that Gossman has been sitting in the bullpen for how many days since he got here. And, you know, Gary Thorne even in the game said, oh, well, it hasn't been announced, but, you know, it's Kevin Gossman. Right. Like and earlier, then it wasn't. <laughs> earlier Thursday, they were saying, well, it'll probably be Gossman. I think I uh, watching the pregame show before the Orioles game on Wednesday night, Rock Kubatko and Brittany Giroli were on there, and uh, Brittany was joking that if it's not Kevin Gossman, the starter would probably be Rock Kubatko, because who else would it be? So, you know. Well, we know that Buck likes to uh, play his cards close to the vest, so nobody knew what was coming with that one. Threw the curve on us there. 
So McFarlane, uh, sometimes he looks good out of the bullpen as a long reliever, sometimes uh, not so good. 4.14 ERA through his uh, 41 and a third innings, and he just, I don't know. He's TJ McFarland. He's a Rule 5 pick, and sometimes you wonder why he's even on the team. But opening up a big series against the Yankees, who are, of course, immediately behind the Orioles in the standings. Uh, one game further behind the Orioles, tied in the loss column. And, uh, well, their first look is going to be against TJ McFarland. So, I don't know, is the lefty thing that important to him? Is, is there something about TJ McFarland other than the lefty thing that makes Buck think, well... Let's let him go and see what happens. We just you know, don't, don't know. Buck has proven to us more than once that there's a reason he's the manager and, and not us. That is exactly uh, right. However, I can't even think of anything about T.J. McFarland other than the fact that he throws with his left hand. Yep. He hasn't really even been – I mean, he's had moments where he's looked all okay, but never for long stretches of time, I don't think. Right. So it's going to be an adventure. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, we were talking a little, and maybe McFarland will they'll just try and get him through five, and then maybe have Gossman try and go three or something. Not a bad idea. It's not. Because then they, they will be, uh, they'll be kind of conditioned for the day against the crafty lefty. I don't even know how crafty McFarland is, but he is a lefty, and he doesn't have high velocity, so. Oh, he throws really slow. He, yeah, I think his fastball probably tops out at, like, 90 or something. And then suddenly it'll be Kevin Gossman throwing 99. Yeah. I mean, who knows if that's even going to be the plan. We have no way to predict that. But that sounds to me like a decent thought. It could it could work. So that's how they're going to kick off the Yankees series. TJ McFarland. And uh, I'm sure the crowd that uh, is planning to pack in for a Friday night, that's exactly what they wanted to see. <laughs> Stacy, yourself, you were disappointed. So you're going to be yes. there tomorrow, and you won't get yeah. to see Goose uh, start the game. Yeah, I've been kind of banking all week on, oh, well, Friday. We, I mean, who knows what will happen, but I'll still get to see him pitch. I haven't seen him pitch in person yet, and maybe now I still won't. Yeah. So that's uh, that's Buck. Buck uh, having a little fun, trolling, trolling the world a little bit. Maybe somewhere on a plane or a train right now, Joe Girardi's, like, face-palming and trying to frantically figure out what the heck is going on. If that, I hope so. If that was the case, that would make me happy a little bit. Thumbing through his binder where he suddenly realizes there is no page on T.J. McFarland because <laughs> who cares about T.J. McFarland? There's probably a page on T.J. McFarland. There probably is. It's probably not very long. It's got large font. Yeah, exactly. Something <laughs> like that. So, I don't know. Does that mean McFarland is going to stay in the rotation for a while? I doubt it. I, it just doesn't seem likely. No, I can't imagine that. I, I mean, why? Why would they do that? I don't know. But uh, coming up, I'm actually not hating the the soon-to-be look of the Orioles' starting rotation because I believe the news is Wei Yin Chen is supposed to do a rehab start on Saturday, and they expect him to only make one rehab start. So that means pretty soon, three-fifths of the rotation will be Wei Yin Chen, Chris Tillman, Miguel Gonzalez, which, you know what? I kind of like the sound of that. And you know, the last couple times around, Jason Hamill hasn't looked that bad. So yeah. Hamill, uh, Hamill deserved better than what he got in the Cleveland series. But, yeah, so I mean, that's, I mean, we've been saying it since you know the first week of the season that as soon as we realized what the Orioles had in offense, we were like, if only they could just be a little bit better at pitching. And you know, this week they've actually looked pretty good. And then with Chen coming back, I mean, maybe they're turning a corner. And I'm not certainly there's no uh, there are no. Cliff Lees or Clayton Kershaw's on this team, there won't be. No, but, you don't think they're going to trade for, you know, Ryan Flaherty and uh, Jake Arrieta and Zach Britton for Cliff Lee? No, although I, you know how much I love him. But I, but, so, but as much as they hit, they don't, I mean, it would be nice to have, but they can be so successful if they're just, just a little bit better than they've been, you know? Just get that ERA up to, you know, maybe 20th in the league instead of, 29th or whatever it is. Yeah, going into tonight's game, the starter ERA was a 4.84, which sucks. It's pretty bad. Just even if it, yeah, it's uh, it's 28th in the league. Maybe they could at least get it to like 15th. Yeah, let's just you know baby steps. First, let's break 20. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I they're don't actually, have the numbers. Um, yeah, they're they're bad. It's bad. <laughs> 
They're second worst. They're 14th out of 15 in the AL. So if they could get that to like 7th, 8th, that would get them down to about a 4.05, which is the 8th place Oakland Athletics starter ERA, which wouldn't be terrible. Well, I mean, even tonight, like Miguel Gonzalez, he gave up three runs and he pitched, what, six and two-thirds? And so that's still like over a four ERA, which is not great. However, it is good enough for the team that that hits the way the Orioles are capable of hitting, even if they've been a little bit uh, quiet this week. Yeah. But uh, so I think that, you know, just get a little bit better. Baby steps. If Hamill can kind of improve and if somebody can come and not be a crappy fifth starter and, you know, theoretically maybe Tillman and Gonzalez and Chen will handle the rest. I mean, I'm not, I don't love the Orioles pitching, but I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic about it for some reason this week than I was a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Me too. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it feels a little better. Although if they wanted to trade for Cliff Lee, I would be okay with that. That would be plenty all right with me as well. I know, that's just my delusion that's never going to happen, but... Yeah. And I mean, really, I can't imagine the Orioles trading for anybody. No, other than, like, who's that guy? Edinson Volquez. They better not trade for him. Yeah, it's it's the same as it was last year, where most of the names that were linked to the Orioles, it's like, oh, I don't want them to give up anybody for him. The problem is they don't have enough to give away to get the good guys... But they need to do something. It'll and probably so... just be another story where, like, oh, the Orioles are going hard after Zach Greinke becomes the Orioles are going for Jason Vargas and somebody else crappy. And, and then ultimately they get Joe Saunders. And Joe Saunders you... beats you, Darvish, in a one-game playoff. What the That's heck? Right. How did that happen? Man, that was awesome. But but seriously, it's, it's not going to be big moves, probably. So... We'll just get like a, 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 and there's not even a Jim Tomey out there. How did that happen? Jim Tomey was on the Orioles. So yeah, weird. He wasn't, I haven't gotten right. over how weird last year was for anybody that hasn't noticed. It's really weird. Oh, we've noticed. It's, it's really weird. Okay, so so the rotation. I don't know. With with Chen back, uh, and he would pitch if he stays on turn. If he's doing a rehab start on Saturday, it looks like he would pitch on the fourth of July if he stayed on turn after doing a rehabber on Saturday. So. Send out the hero of Taiwan for 4th of July, whatever. What was it, Chris Tillman on the 4th of July last year, as I recall? Uh, I believe it was. That Was his, Was that his first start called up? Yeah, and then they immediately optioned him because it was going to be the all-star break, and they wanted, right. uh, wanted whatever, and they didn't even have him pitch in the minors. Weird. Dan Duquette, well, we're not going to not gonna question Dan Duquette's uh, strategies at this point because it's worked so far this year, and it worked even better last year. Yep. Of course, the Orioles doing as well as they did last year was predicated on their extremely hot August and September after they added Nate McClouth and Manny Machado. And I don't think there's a there's not a, uh, a Nate McClouth and there's not a Manny Machado well, waiting to reinforce the Orioles this year. When they get Brian Roberts back. Who's uh, apparently going to come back on Sunday, according to the last Beat Raider tweet I saw about that. Yeah, that's what they were saying. And I'm not... I don't, you know, none of us expect anything from Brian Roberts, but he is coming back whether we want him to or not. And if he can be decent and he can be, I mean, it doesn't take much to be an upgrade over second base so far. And if he can do that, I mean, maybe he could be like the trade that they didn't make. (laughs) Yeah. That'd be like calling a guy up from the minors that they didn't have to do because, you know, he had, uh, he had three awesome games. They were. <laughs> he didn't have three awesome games before he got hurt. Yeah. Um. I just. I mean, obviously, none of us can, and I can't imagine that the Orioles are even counting on that. Yeah. But I mean, it'll. Anything you get from him is a bonus. But maybe, maybe we'll get something because he will. You know, he's coming back for who long, for how long? Who knows? But he'll be here. Yeah. And speaking of people who are working their way back. Uh... Nolan Reimold. Mm. Also don't expect anything from him, but maybe somehow he could end up being this year's reinforcements if he comes back and he's healthy and he hits, like, decently instead of 188, 257, 327, which is, yeah. is uh, his current slash line for this year. 
it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with the roster when he when his rehab is over because they can't option him, so they're going to bring him back. I would imagine. Right. I, that's, they've got to that, give him one last chance to fail. Is that the end of the line for uh, Steve Pierce? Well, Steve Pierce is on the DL right now. Oh, that's right. I forgot. End of the line I for feel Travis. Like, yeah, I feel like when Roberts comes back, that'll be the end of the line for Travis Ishikawa, and when Reinwood comes back, they'll option probably Danny Valencia. Of course, trying to guess Dan Duquette roster moves is folly. Mm-hmm. So I should stop before I make myself look even more silly. But well, or the thing is because right now their fourth outfielder is Dickerson, right? And he's also a lefty, and right. he also can play center field. So when Reimold comes back, yeah, it seems like Valencia will be the obvious now since all Valencia has done this year is DH. Right, because Reimold never really looks great in left field anyway, and no. Plus, I mean, the way he gets hurt. Right. <laughs> You don't need to have him running any more than he needs to, so that's probably that would be what I would guess, unless some other phantom injury crops up on someone, and maybe a phantom injury will crop up on Travis Ishikawa, since apparently Dan Duquette is hard set on not letting the Yankees get Travis Ishikawa. I don't think that Travis Ishikawa is going to help anyone that much. No, and in in fact, we've probably reached our maximum limit of what I will allow us to talk about Travis Ishikawa because I didn't right. care about him on the last podcast, and you know what? Well, at least now he's played a couple. He games. has actually played <laughs> some games for the Orioles now, so he he's a slightly more of a factor now than he was previously. But still, I'm not going to get too worked up about him. No. Speaking of Nate McLeod, there was one thing we did want to get worked up about a little bit because uh, the <laughs> Orioles announced on Thursday there will be a Nate McLeod t-shirt giveaway, which will be the Base Bandit. And it is the cutest thing ever. They actually had a little promotional video on the Vine app showing the infield with second base, and then the next shot had no second base. And there was <laughs> someone standing there holding second base. Then it was Nate McLeod with a mask on his face, <laughs> looking for all the world like Dash from The Incredibles. Exactly. Getting, like they can't. Yeah, they can't say that. Right, but that's know. what he looks like. That's what the. That's exactly what the. Like, if you know what Dash looks like in the picture, that's what he looks like on the on the T-shirt we holding know. second base. <laughs> we know. So that's that's the base bandit. Twenty-four stolen bases in. Uh, However many tries. 24 out of 28. That's pretty good. At least one of those, he was actually safe. They called Mm -hmm. him out. So, 25 out of 28. Also pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we want to give kudos to the Orioles for being creative because, you know, we certainly get on their cases enough when we think that they're not doing something right. and Like, you know, promotions-wise in this kind of area. And this, the Chris Davis um, Superman or Crush Davis Davis, yeah. It's cool, and the Nate McLeod t-shirt, uh, the face bandit is cool. So it's nice that they are actually appearing to put some thought into their promotions, even if they are a little bit um, light on the promotions. Right, it's it's a lot better than just having an orange shirt that says Orioles on the front and a player's name and number on the back, and it's presented by whatever. Right. It's, it's actually things that are unique, kind of, and you you, know, you want to go and get them. And speaking of unique promotions, if I want to plug something really quick, I think that our writer, Punk Rocka, keep in mind he's going to be putting out a post because we're going to organize a Cannon Chat trip to the Bowie Bay Sox game on August 18th where they will be giving out Manny Machado Garden Gnomes. Oh, I might need, I so, might need one of those. So anyone who wants to uh, meet up with some fellow Cannon Chatters, get a Garden Gnome that has Manny Machado's likeness and watch some minor league baseball, keep an eye out for a post from Punk Rocka. We're not really that weird. No. I, so... I have met Stacy several times. Neither one of us has killed the other. No, not yet. Not yet. I, I think we'll manage to keep not, not killing one another, probably. But, yeah, not to get too far off of baseball, but I just wanted to throw that in there. Manny Machado Garden Gnome. It does not get much better than that. No. That's, so that's a good giveaway. And and also, the Orioles uh, need to learn to give away more things because I have a feeling the giveaway had a lot to do with this. In Thursday's game, they gave away the uh, the greetings from Birdland beach towel, and suddenly there were 33,000 people in attendance at that game, where the previous three games in that series, also weeknight games against the same team, drew 
18,000 to 19,000 fans. So it's almost like if you give something away, more people come to the game. I mean, hey, you're a casual fan, imagine, and you want to go to the game, take a look at the schedule. You're like, oh, let's go to one game this week. And you see the one game that has a giveaway. That's the game you're going to go to because yeah. all other things are equal. And so I'm not saying they should have a giveaway every single night because that's obviously not feasible, but maybe a little bit more than they do. That's all. Pro- I mean, if they could manage somehow like once a series or once every other series, I think that would be make a difference, especially mm-hmm. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Maybe less so on a Tuesday in May against the Royals, but something. Just give something away that's cool, and people will show up. People will probably show up for the Base Bandit t-shirt. Oh, I will. Although I will not, because that is a birthday for a member of my family, and we're going to be having fancy dinner. But yeah, We have a ticket. Our season ticket plan is for the day after the Bandit game. So oh. I, guess we'll, I guess we'll be there two days in a row, because I need the t-shirt. Maybe you'll get the t-shirt uh, if you're in the press box that series, because sometimes they give away the, the stuff a, a day or two ahead of time. Yes, maybe I will. But if not, I'll be there. That is one of the perks that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's nice. Although, I was there when they pre-gave away the military appreciation camo shirts, and those things are dumb-looking, so it wasn't the best <laughs> wasn't the best freebie. I also got the travel kit freebie this year, so I've been picking the right games to go, apparently. I don't even gotten anything this year. Yeah, you just got to pick the right games to be there, apparently. No, well, well, Paul, my husband, was in the press box for the, the Crush Davis t-shirt, which is how I got mine. Ah, okay. So that counts for half. All right, so that's the Orioles and marketing. They need to do a little more of it. But they're doing better than they were. Yes, but kudos on the t-shirts this year. And speaking of marketing that they're marketing the heck out of, uh, all-star voting, the whole vote orange thing, and we talked about this a little bit last time, it's it's kind of out of control, which is cool if you're an Orioles fan. Because <laughs> just for a quick rundown, and this is as of June the 22nd, so that's last Saturday, so it's it's going to be changing in a couple days, but... Uh, you've got Chris Davis leading first base, well-deserved. Uh, he's ahead by 1.4 million votes over Prince Fielder. J.J. Hardy, pretty well-deserved leading in shortstop voting by about 700,000 votes over Johnny Peralta of the Tigers. Manny Machado's in second behind Miguel Cabrera. Well, you know, can't really complain about being behind Miguel Cabrera, although I would take Manny Machado in the field over Miguel Cabrera. Well... Uh, Matt Wieters is 700,000 votes behind Joe Maurer, which, whatever, Matt Wieters shouldn't be starting the All-Star game anyway. And then in the outfield, you had Adam Jones' leading vote-getter by about 30,000 votes over Mike Trout. Nick Markakis was in third, about 50,000 votes ahead of Jose Bautista. So, as of last Saturday, Nick Markakis was in position to be an All-Star starter, which Stacy and I are both big enough Orioles fans that we spend significant amounts of time writing about the Orioles just because we like the Orioles and we want to share that with people. And it would yes. be cool if Nick Markakis made it into the All-Star game as a starter. But let's all be real. Nick Markakis has no business being an All-Star starter if it's uh, if no. it's if it's on the merits. No, he does not. And you know, I know a couple days ago in one of our uh, I think it was in a game third or an open thread, there was a Blue Jays fan hanging around and he asked, why do you why do you guys think that Nick Markegas should be an all-star? Obviously, the reason is because it would be cool if Nick Markegas was an all-star. And, I mean, we're smart enough to know that he's not one of the top three outfielders in the American League. But I don't care. It yeah. would be cool. Here's the I deal. Like the all-star game is a popularity contest that the Orioles have lost for probably a decade or more. Really, probably since Cal Ripken retired. Yes, and uh, and this year, the Orioles, and a lot of it maybe is fueled by the Vote Orange thing, and it's a lot of Orioles fans, but I, I feel like a lot of it is just other, fan, other teams' fans are just fatigued with Yankees and Red Sox, and, you know, the Orioles are kind of this, this up-and-comer new kids, exactly, kind of, a, kind of a trendy pick. It's cool to vote for Chris Davis and J.J. Hardy, and you know what? Well, I am totally cool with that. It's just like all of a sudden, the Orioles are the popular kids in school, and I think that's awesome. And there have been so many, and you know, generally, you know, there's 
plenty of things you can complain about all-star voting, you know. But generally, there's always an exception, but they usually get most of them pretty good. Yeah. And I think that um, in the case of Davis and Hardy and even Jones, I mean, Jones maybe isn't top three, but he's close enough. Yeah, you know? he's close enough, exactly. And so those three alone, and that would leave Mark Higgins as the kind of the exception to the rule, but I'm happy. I think it's awesome. I think that the fact that it's very likely that four of the nine starting positions will be Orioles is is cool. And, and I and like Manny Machado people, might has got to be in there. Or that would be the worst. Yeah, I think he'd time. be a reserve, sure. Maybe Matt but, Weeders, depending on who they have to juggle for. You know, each team is required to have one All Star and catchers and all this. I, I, I don't really care if Matt Weeders is on the team, honestly. Give, no, give, give him three days off. I'm okay yeah, with that. Yeah, he could use it, frankly. He could use it, exactly. He had a good night tonight, though. Um, maybe they'll throw a reliever in there. If it's Jim Johnson, just because he has the most saves, whatever. Jim Johnson could use the All-Star break off as well, mm-hmm. actually, now that I think about it. So uh, I'm, I'm not rooting for him to be an All-Star. No, I don't, I don't. I mean, he might be because of the save numbers, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that you've got... I mean, I think if Mark Higgins doesn't make the vote, he won't make the team. Right. So you definitely got Davis, Hardy, and I would think Machado and Jones. Yep. yep. And Nick, if he can hold on to the third spot. Which the fact that there's... I mean, they, were, they had more than one all-star last year, but they didn't have any starters. Right. So this year, I'm just like, what is happening? Right. It's, you know, you'll tune in on the first inning, and it's going to be Chris Davis at first base, J.J. Hardy at shortstop, Adam Jones in center field, possibly Nick Markakis in right field or left field. That would be kind of cool. It would be very cool. And three out of four of those are pretty much guaranteed. So that's yeah. cool. So let's see. In-park voting is over, I think. But the uh, fan voting goes on some more. It might even be through July the 4th or something. July, on, July 4th is the last day. Yeah, oh you can God. vote online and do your vote orange whatever to get all that stuff that Orioles are giving away, which uh, I haven't gotten any of, and I won't because I just don't like giving them my email address, so they, I don't exist to them, and that's okay. But you all should reap the rewards of voting for the Orioles many times, if you're doing that. And then there will be Orioles in the All-Star game, and that will be pretty cool. And vote for some Pirates, for Andrew's sake. Yes. Former, former podcast co-host, our friend Andrew Gibson, now working for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He, uh, they he is, have the best record in baseball? He's claiming full credit for them now having the best record in baseball. As well, he should. Because what's the one thing that's changed? Well, Andrew's working for them now. So that's uh, a pretty big difference. Sounds like science to me. Yeah. That's science he would agree with, him being the stat guy that he is. <laughs> so there you go. Vote for the Orioles. And if, if you're not scarred by, like, the 71 uh, and 79 World Series, vote for some Pirates. I See, I don't have those scars, so I can say. Oh, me neither. I can say vote for some Pirates, and I won't get mad. But I couldn't say that to my dad. That would go a little poorly. So that's our Orioles stuff for tonight, and Stacy is about to bow out, but the podcast will be right back, and we will be talking to our favorite Yankees correspondent about the upcoming Orioles-Yankees series. So Stacy, I hope you have a good evening, and we will be back with a more Orioles-focused and longer Orioles-focused Camden cast. I don't know, whenever, whenever the next one is, but... Uh, Stacy is signing off, and I will be right back after this on Camden Cast. If you're a fan of Camden Cast and you want to get an update every time there's a new episode, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a rating while you're at it if you would be so kind. And if you just can't get enough Camden Chat, always make sure to check out the latest Orioles news on CamdenChat.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash CamdenChat. You can subscribe on Twitter at Camden Chat, and if you want to follow me, I'm at EatMoreSKESSKAY, just like the hot dogs. And now, back to the show. And just like that, we are back on Camden Cast. Stacy is gone for the evening, but we are joined once again by someone who I can honestly say that getting to meet is the best thing that has happened to me as a result of starting this podcast. She is the newly christened boss of the soon-to-be-rechristened uh, Pinstripe Bible, the Yankees SB Nation blog. She is Tanya Bondurant. Tanya, welcome back to Camden Council. Thank you for having me again. 
How does it feel to be the boss now? It's wonderful. <laughs> so Tanya is on because we are going to talk about this weekend's series between the Orioles and the Yankees, as we've done for a few series before. And, uh, well, before we get into the series, Tanya, how is life for the Yankees lately from the perspective of a Yankees fan? It could be worse, but it's certainly not been very good lately. The shine has kind of worn off. So you've had about enough of uh, Jason Nix as the shortstop, just for instance? Yeah, and the fact that he's not even the worst problem probably says a lot. Vernon Wells finally turned into a pumpkin. Yeah, to say the least. Because, you know, he was slugging over 500 for a while, and now I'm looking at the box score for today's game, and after today's game, he's batting... 223 with a 264 on base, 369 slugging percentage. He was very recently hovering around 9 for his last 100. Oh, wow. So that was a thing that happened. That's uh, <laughs> it's actually even worse than I thought. Luckily, he's started losing his presence in the everyday lineup a little. But today he was in there and he was batting cleanup, so, you know. Vernon Wells, cleanup hitter. Okay. So what do they, what does Girardi just like play him against lefties or something like that? Well, he's been playing Zoilo Almonte a lot since Zoilo came up and started hitting really well. So other than Um, having an awesome name, who is Zoilo Almonte? He is a switch hitting outfielder. Um, He's not a top prospect, but um, he's kind of in the. 15 to 20 range. Okay. Um, he can kind of play all over the outfield, um, but nowhere spectacularly. He's not Brett Gardner. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was hitting really well in AAA, and um, Thomas Neal was called up and didn't hit at all and kind of looked like he had never seen a curveball before in his life. And so they swapped him and... Zoilo and Zoilo came up and started hitting well. So he's kind of kicked Vernon Wells out of the absolutely everyday lineup. Zoilo. Man, that's an awesome name. We're fond of it. Going through life with a name like Mark, I just have to say I appreciate awesome, unique names every now and again when I come across them. Zoilo definitely sounds like one of them. Yeah, it's pretty fun. So the Lyle Overbay uh, star has lost a little bit of its luster as well. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, he he would be better as a platoon guy because his numbers off lefties are okay. Um, it gets ugly when he has to face righties, which is obviously most of the time. And now that Mark Teixeira is out for the season the Yankees kind of have to deal with him at first base until they can possibly make a trade because there's really no one else. So it's Lyle Overbay or bust. Right, because Kevin Euclid was supposed to be the backup first baseman. Instead, he's just got a back that doesn't work. He is somehow injured again and for... Probably longer than guys like Jeter and A-Rod, so mm-hmm. I will I will probably be stunned if he plays another game this season, but that's the pessimistic side talking. Jeter, I just saw today, he's like running outside again. He is. Whatever that means. I think it was the first time that he had done that. Oh, okay. I can see how that's a big deal for somebody with a metal plate in his ankle or whatever it is that he has. Right. Whatever's wrong with his ankle, I would not want to be wrong with my ankle. I can say that for sure. I wouldn't want it to be wrong with my shortstop's ankle either, but, you know. Maybe they'll DH him. I mean, the alternative is playing Jason Nix every day. And I know Jason Nix is, no. is your favorite of all the all the Yankees players right now. He He is something. Tanya frequently expresses to me her desire to fire Jason Nix out of a cannon. Yes. Along with many other Yankees who have displeased you among this year's crop of guys. Yeah. Wells can a long go. list. It, is, it seems like it is a long list. Yeah. Everybody that's played catcher, except Cervelli, who will hopefully be back 
before too long. So who is actually going to make it back? Cervelli and Jeter and... A-Rod. Well, we don't and... even need to go into the A-Rod stuff. I, I'm sure you're tired of talking about it, and people are tired of hearing about it. Yeah, and uh, Granderson. Oh, yeah. He just had the pin removed from his hand. That's right. I forgot about Granderson. They should all be back. I think they said that um, of those, A-Rod will probably be first. Well, that was a shocker. Surprise. With all the drama of the last few days. Uh, well, that's all assuming that none of that gets any crazier, of right, course. Right, right. that's the idea. See, I didn't realize he was actually going to be the closest. Yeah. Because then what was I reading today? It was this sold back and forth about, oh, well, the Yankees are trying to push him back so they don't have to pay for his contract all the way or right. whatever weird insurance stuff is going on. A mess. It does sound like a mess. And yet the Yankees are only four and a half games out of the East and one game behind the Orioles. So that's not too bad. It could be worse. I mean, it, it could definitely be worse. And we've been kind of playing with a bunch of misfits all season. So it could definitely be worse. But they have been playing pretty poorly recently. So I, I'm hoping they can just kind of keep treading water until they can get some of the better guys back. I was shocked the other day when on the uh, on the mass and broadcast of an Orioles game, they were talking about they had a charter like the AL East teams and their offensive numbers and pitching numbers and their ranks in the AL. And I swear the Yankees and run scored were like 12th. I was mm-hmm. just like, holy crap. Yeah, they've done really, really badly. Just looking right now, 302 runs scored. It's the worst in the AL East. The Orioles have scored 391, which is just crazy. The Yankees Without the scored. pitching, they would be in a lot of trouble. The Yankees have only allowed 307 runs, whereas the Orioles have allowed 374. So that makes a big difference. Which is kind of exactly what happened today, where Bill Hughes actually had a good game, gave up two runs, and the offense only got five hits. Yeah, he two hits, two hits. I'm went sorry. Eight innings and two runs and still lost. That's yeah. that's a bummer. It was it was pretty bad. I don't even know if the Orioles starters know what an eight inning start is like. Well, Phil Hughes doesn't normally, so the fact that it was wasted was even more. He still gave up a home run, just so it was familiar for you. He did, but you know it was a solo shot, so if he's going to give him up, it might as well be a solo, huh? Best way to do it. That makes sense. But completely, well not completely because it wasn't a perfect game, but only a two-hitter. Complete game and 92 pitches by Derek Holland. Two hits and a walk and that was it. No longer sporting his mustache, which is good for all human beings. It doesn't help that the Yankees sat their best hitter recently, Brett Gardner. Ah, okay. Well, because he can't play against the lefty? No, um, he had a little bit of a head cold, Girardi said, but he ended up pinch hitting in the ninth, so he obviously wasn't too bad off. Yeah. He's probably due a day off anyway. Okay. So there won't be any reason that he shouldn't play in the upcoming series. Right. And he's hitting everything right now. He's doing really well. Well, that's discouraging to hear, and he'll be back. (laughs) And he'll be leading off probably, right? Yes. Okay. So let's look at the games themselves, specifically the pitching matchups, because I am just curious how much I should fear. Of course, now, Tanya and I are not the best sources of breaking down pitching matchups, because I'm pretty sure the first time we ever had her on the podcast, we decided that neither one of us felt good about any one of the starters for either one of our teams. So, you know, that uh, legendary optimism. But nonetheless, the Friday matchup, and Stacy and I talked a ton about T.J. McFarland already, but the Yankees will be having David Phelps pitching. So what is the deal with David Phelps this year? Phelps has kind of, he was kind of the fifth guy who was always in flux and always in danger of losing his spot. Okay. But he's kind of cemented himself into not the weak link in the rotation. Okay. Um. He hasn't had a spectacular year by any means. He's not going to overwhelm you, but he's got a sick two-seam fastball 
and if that's working, then he can pretty much compete with anyone. Um, the problem is that it's not always working, and when it's not, he gets hit pretty hard. Well, the Orioles are certainly capable of hitting anybody hard, but then they're also capable of getting one hit by Scott Casimir over seven innings, which just happened on Wednesday, and I still kind of can't believe it. And they only had him out of the game because he had some kind of back spasm or something like that, because he only threw like 78 pitches through seven innings, and it uh, just wasn't good. And Scott Casimir, not very good this year, but completely... Nearly completely stymied the Orioles. It was just frustrating to see. So David Phelps, watch out when his two-seamer's on, and otherwise it could be trouble, huh? Pretty much. All right. Well, has he been uh, has he been on more than off more lately? or? He had one really, really disastrous start where I think he only recorded one out. Ooh. And aside from that, he's been pretty solid. That would just kind of skewed the results. Looking at his monthly splits, he has a 266 ERA in four June starts. He's gone at least five and two-thirds in all of those starts and has allowed two or fewer earned runs in three of the four. Yeah, he's been been good. That's a pretty good good month for Phelps. Phelps is right-handed, so the Orioles can... Not that they go crazy with the changing their platoon stuff around, but it'll be the... Face a righty lineup, so we'll get Nate McClouth, and maybe he'll steal a base. He walks too many people. Well, the Orioles don't walk, so you don't have to worry about that at all. I'm pretty sure the last time that I can remember him facing the Orioles, I'm sure he has since then, but the one that comes to mind, he walks six. So, uh, yeah, last season, end of last season. He pitched against them in April and didn't walk anybody, but if he had a six-walk thing last season, I would believe that. Yeah, it was it was a rough outing. Well, this year's Orioles walk as as little as any team basically. They their walk rate is uh, is in fact the second worst in Major League Baseball from a percentage standpoint, six point seven percent going into tonight. So maybe it won't be a huge concern for Phelps after all if he pitches against a team that. Uh, Kind of goes up there and likes to hack. All of them are hackers. On Saturday, we're the Fox game. Although, I don't know, maybe in your part, in your neck of the woods it won't be the Fox game, but uh, hopefully it will be. And it's going to be CeCe Sabathia versus Zach Britton. So I always am afraid of Sabathia, but I understand he's kind of struggling a little bit this year. He is struggling a little His bit. His standards. Um, he's starting to get a little better but he still has kind of rough outings um he pitched decently against Rays his last time out and then he ended up giving up a grand slam to Will Myers um now you could say that in any other ballpark it is a flyout. uh you could say that if Girardi hadn't had him intentionally walk the batter before Maybe he doesn't, you know, get that far. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but he made a bad pitch, and Stewart called a bad pitch for the count, and it ended up a home run. Um, it was five runs, which obviously looks ugly from your ace, but um, without that bad pitch, his outing looks a lot different. So ESPN's hit tracker online for that Will Myers Grand Slam actually says that that's a home run in zero out of 30 parks. So I guess the wind. Yeah, so, you know, either the wind or the temperature. It was, I mean, there are Yankee Stadium specials, and then there are Yankee Stadium specials, and that was the latter. Yeah, not even a one out of 30. That's a zero out of 30. So that's how generous that was. But it still counts on the board for four earned runs, so that'll hurt yep. you a little bit. I mean, it was it was a fastball count, and he threw a fastball, and Myers didn't miss it. Well, that is the way it goes sometimes, I guess. So Sabathia in June has a 5'10 ERA. Yeah. Over four starts. Although one of them is a complete game. Yeah. That's not too bad. 
He's got a six-inning, six-earned run start and a seven-inning, five-earned run start. So, of course, four of those in that last one were the Grand Slam. And he still won that game. Yes. Got the win. Eight and five on the year. That's not too bad. The thing with him is that, uh, well, not the thing, but a thing, his velocity hasn't really been there. Um, Some people think that he's just kind of lost it for good. Um, Some people think that it's a result of his off-season elbow surgery. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people think that it's because CC loses weight and skinny CC isn't as good as fat CC. Um, I don't know which of those it is, but I know that CC likes warm weather and it's getting warmer. So maybe that will help. He has had better numbers on the gun recently. But if his velocity is still kind of in the 91-92 range, he tends to get hit pretty hard. So he's on the wrong side of 30, but he's not exactly long in the tooth. I'm looking, he's turning 33 next month. That doesn't seem like super velocity decline territory there. Looking at his Fangraphs page, his average fastball velocity, I can talk, I really can, this year is 90.4, whereas last year it was 92.3. Two years ago it was 93.8, so that makes a big difference uh, in how your stuff plays, for sure. But I think um, either the last time he pitched or the time before that, they had him up to 93, so it had gotten a little better. Yeah, so that's back to where he was when he was successful. So that makes a pretty big difference. He's given up five home runs in June, so that's always a good sign for the Orioles. uh, Because the Orioles hit more home runs than anyone, but they also give up more home runs than anyone. uh, Lots of home runs when the Orioles play. It doesn't matter where. doesn't matter when. Just home runs. All the home runs. All the time. Maybe Sabathia will give up some of them, too. And, of course, him going against Zach Britton, I don't feel good about at all. Although, Zach Britton being left-handed, you probably don't feel good about that game either, just because... Left-handers are doomed against that lineup. But I feel like Zach Britton is doomed against any lineup once he gets into the third time through. So we'll see. Uh, maybe that's going to be one of those stoppable force versus movable object uh, matchups there. Britton against the Yankees lineup. Which possibly also will be T.J. McFarland against the Yankees lineup, because T.J. McFarland is pretty much left-handed and has a pulse, uh, and that's about all there is to say about him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. And Sunday night, it'll be the second Orioles-Yankees matchup of the year on, e- on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So that one will feature Japanese sensation Hiroki Kuroda versus Chris Tillman. What is there to say about Kuroda? Kuroda's been great. I mean, if you want to assign labels, he's probably been the Yankees' ace for the past two seasons. He hasn't really had a bad game since uh, his outing against Seattle at the beginning of June. And he hasn't had a disastrous game since his outing against the Orioles at the end of May. Um He's been really solid. He always does a good job of limiting the damage and trying to keep the team in, even though with this offense that's kind of difficult to do, even when the starting pitcher is very good. you got to chuck a shutout or you're in trouble, huh? Pretty much. Although Garota doesn't have it as bad off as poor Matt Harvey on the Mets, but... He's had some bad luck losses and no decisions, it looks like. Yeah. Seven innings, no earned runs against those very same Mets that the uh, Yankees ended up losing that game, so. Yeah. Rhoda got a no decision there. Oh, he pitched against Matt Harvey that night, but Harvey yeah. didn't get the win either. Because <laughs> it was. Uh, I think that was the Rivera blown save. It was a Rivera blown save. I'm sorry to remind you of that. See, I mostly brought up Matt Harvey talking to Tanya here because she likes him because he went to University of North Carolina, where she also goes. Yes. Likes the North Carolina guys. Although Hunter Harvey did not go to University of North Carolina, but he's at least from North Carolina. 
Orioles first round draft pick. So maybe there's one guy you can sort of cheer for a tiny little bit in the Orioles system. So Kuroda has had his worst month in June, and he's had a 3.55 ERA in June, uh, whereas most of the Orioles' rotation would possibly – well, I guess with the Aaron Hernandez stuff in the news lately, I shouldn't talk about athletes killing people, but maybe they would give an arm and a leg to have a 3.55 ERA month because they just kind of don't. In fact, no one in the Orioles' rotation right now has an ERA below 3.55 at all. And Kuroda's uh, ERA on the season is a 2.77, which is, wow, that's really good. What is that like to have a pitcher with a below three ERA in the rotation? I mean, like I said, it's it's fine and well when the offense can score for them, but he has to be pretty perfect almost every time. That's unfortunate. Of course, him being a veteran, he's probably not going to do some baseball platitude where they'd say, oh, well, he's putting too much pressure on himself, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't don't think it's that. But? But I think all the pitchers kind of understand that a 3-0 deficit looks pretty insurmountable most of the time. Right, even if you go seven and give up three earned runs or something, you're probably still taking the loss. Roto with a modest seven and five win loss record despite that two seventy seven ERA. Eleven out of sixteen quality starts. It's a pretty good year. He's just not getting rewarded yeah. by uh by his players. And that night you will be against Chris Tillman, so the one right hander you'll get to face and Honestly, Chris Tillman, I never know what to say about him because I swear his good outings and his bad outings, he looks exactly the same. Makes sense. <laughs> he gives up so many home runs. Surely you'll find someone that can hit a home run in Camden Yards on a Sunday night. I won't hold my breath. It'd probably be like Jason Nix or something. I guess if there is a silver lining, it's that the Yankees bullpen has been very, very good. So other than Mariano, what's good about the Yankees bullpen? Um, David Robertson has been really good. Um, It always kind of amazes me how he finds ways to work out of jams that seem like he shouldn't be able to work out of them. Um, There's Sean Kelly, who strikes out pretty much everyone. Holy crap. Looking at that stats. Okay. So 13.34 K to nine. Yeah. Sean Kelly. That's, that's ridiculous. That's he 40, strikes out a lot of people. 43 strikeouts in 29 innings. Wow. Yeah. He, wow. He does a lot of that. Uh, yes. Preston Claiborne has been good. When he strolls in off the yacht. Yeah. Um, he's been really good. Um, if Girardi, Hasn't lost his mind. He should probably be his seventh inning guy. Not Java. Do you think Girardi has uh, not lost his mind? Well, the other night he hadn't, so I don't know what's changed in the last 48 hours. You never Java know. Chamberlain should not be in any close games at this point. Yeah, you never know when he's going to send in Java and light a game on fire. Like, what did that happen to you on Wednesday? Yep, um down one run after they rallied and he sent in Jabba who proceeded to as he said light the whole thing on fire. Give a little Pedro stroke treatment there. Um, we call Jabba the white flag because his his presence in the game means Girardi has given up. He's decided that we won't be winning that game. So Why he decided to do that down one, I'm not sure. But Jabba is the white flag. Java with nine walks in 18 and a third innings, four home runs in that same time. So if you see Java, you can feel good because it means Girardi's quit. The last six games he's appeared in, the Yankees lost the game. Something like he's given up runs in something like eight straight, nine straight games. Something like that. Maybe that's over now. I'm not sure. But it was a thing at one time. That he had given up runs every time he entered the game. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty crappy. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm for them DFAing him at this point, but they won't do it. Why do you think they will not? Um, I think that outright DFAing him would be admitting a really, really 
big mistake. And they just can't do that I, for the I sake of their will. ego or something like that? I mean, maybe that's not it, but I just don't see what value he has to the team, what he can do that any random AAA reliever can't do. He should be the last guy out of the bullpen at this point. He's caused unnecessary drama already this season with getting into it with Mariano Rivera. It's just, it's a mess, and he's all but certainly gone at the end of the season. And I, I just think that they should cut their losses. Not like there's any reason to hold on to him, because he'll be 28 at the end of the season. It's mm-hmm. not like he's a spring chicken anymore in baseball prospect terms. And he's just bad. I mean... Nine earned runs in June in seven and two-thirds innings. He's bad. That's that's a bad month. A 2.22 whip in June. That's Yeah. He's he's pretty terrible. That's 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 pretty bad. So I mean I'm I'm perfectly content with him letting him go and that being that. I mean if they can get someone to take him for a bag of balls, that will also be fine, or just someone to take him in general. But I think everyone has kind of grown tired of Jabba and his Stick. Well, maybe they can make up an injury for him and stick him on the DL for the rest of the year. No one would complain, except Java. Except Java, he would. Uh, he would try and shush people, I guess, right? <laughs> well, Mariano shush, shushed him. Right. You can't shush Java. Java will not be contained. No. So then, what? You got lefty guy Boone Logan. Yeah. Actually, pitching well. He doesn't. He hasn't done well against lefties, which is hilarious in a not hilarious way. Well, that is a little unfortunate for your loogie if he's not getting the. He's not looging. He's not looging. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's a little too bad for him. Yeah. Yes. But the Yankee bullpen is a strength, and yes. uh, probably the only one. Mostly. That's two out of three pretty solid starters. Phelps is a wild card, I guess. So, I guess uh, we'll see. It'll be a decisive late June matchup between the Orioles and the Yankees, because whoever wins the series will be ahead of the other in the standings. Maybe Boston will lose a game sometime ever. Toronto. Toronto is about to be useless this whole weekend. I feel like. Yep. And. Uh, and it won't really matter who wins out of the Orioles and the Yankees because the Red Sox apparently have some kind of – like as much as I joke about the, the black magic with the Yankees, like Boston this year is just even more that. Last year on the podcast, Andrew and I were talking about them as like a horror movie villain that just won't die. And it's like them in 2013, it's like after they got drowned at the end of last season, it's like you saw their – mask floating on top of the water and you knew they were alive again and now here they are this is like the sequel to the horror movie and they haven't been killed yet this year it's pretty much the red Sox. i guess one of the one of the other of us will actually have to start beating them at some point but even though when the orioles play them next maybe it will happen the orioles don't play them again till after the all-star break so might have to be you the orioles don't play them till the end of july so you might have to start the process of knocking down Boston. And I guess if your offense doesn't improve, you're probably not feeling too good about the chances of doing that, but I'll cross my fingers for you anyway. Thank you. You are welcome. So that's the Orioles and the Yankees coming up. we got three night games. we got two games on national TV. It'll be, a, it'll be a bit of a treat for the Orioles fans who aren't used to that kind of attention, although I already saw we've got Joe Buck and uh, Tim McCarver for that Fox game, so... That's that's not exactly in a true territory. But that is all that Tanya and I have for you this evening. So Tanya, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. We'll have to have you back the next time the Orioles and Yankees are playing. I'm not sure when that is. It looks like it's not till the end of August. So, uh, or do we play again before the All Star break? Let me find out. Oh, we do play again. We might not have Tanya on the podcast again before the next series because uh, it's going to be July 5th, 6th, and 7th. But certainly, oh, we'll, 
certainly we'll have her on later in the season. So that is all that I have for tonight. So for the Stacy Long, who left a while ago, and for Tanya Bondurant, I am Mark Brown, and I'm bringing you Camden Cast. This is Birdland, and we are